including our series Re-Gift. Uh, and we've all done this, where you get a gift that you probably already have enough of, and so you give it away to someone else. Might not make someone feel great, but um, you know, we, we've all done it. We actually, I just did it this week. I feel terrible. Um, I actually don't. My, my, Rihanna and I, we love board games, and my mom got us this really amazing game. It's called Codenames, but it's so amazing, we've already, we already own it. Like, we already have the thing, and so we decided to re-gift it at my family's Christmas party, which I'll tell you guys a little bit more about in a bit. Um, but the point is, we, we re-gifted this game. Uh, we re-gift so that way something that is extra to us, something that we don't need, can be useful and bring joy to someone else. And so that's why we re-gift. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. We, we get so much of so many good things from our Heavenly Father. He tends to give us so much of his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his peace. And our job as followers of Jesus is to give it away, to re-gift it. And so over the last four weeks, we've been talking about, uh, about the four things, these four gifts that Jesus brings uh, in his birth. Hope, peace, love, and joy. And those are, those are really good gifts. Um, I don't know what parent doesn't want to give like the gift of joy to their kids. I love giving gifts. I'm not a parent, but I love giving gifts. Um, we, Rihanna and I were at a wedding recently, and uh, it was for one of my former students. And what they had us do, have you guys ever played that like couples game or the newlyweds game where someone gets a whiteboard and they have to write an answer to a question that's asked and the other, other person has to guess what that person's writing? Super awkward, really uncomfortable, but they asked us, like, okay, who is... Um, Who's the, the spender and who's the saver in your relationship? And we, we aced this, by the way. We did better than every other couple. Um, super competitive. Uh, but Rihanna, like, I, I'm guessing this one, and, or I'm writing this one. Rihanna's guessing. And she's like, well, clearly, she is the saver. I'm the spender. And then the next question was great because it was like, how does your significant other show, show you that they love you? And everyone's writing stuff like, oh, he spends time with me. He gives me flowers or he does the dishes. And Rihanna's was, he buys me things. <laughs> I love giving gifts. And so Christmas time is my favorite. Um, there's a reason that when Cece had to hand off Toys for Tots to someone, I was stoked to be the guy that got to take that on. I love Toys for Tots. It was great. Um, we're not going to talk about that today. It'll give... John, post-traumatic stress or something. Um, but I, I mentioned my family's Christmas party, right? Uh, every year, my family has this huge Christmas party. Our family is pretty large. We have uh, between like 20 and 50 people that show up to this party every year. Uh, and we're all at my uncle's house. We're eating. Uh, we eat delicious Filipino food. Um, we like sing happy birthday to my brother and my cousin because they were born on Christmas. Uh, we play games, we exchange gifts, and, and for the past few years, if you guys have ever heard of White Elephant, um, we, we do that instead of buying gifts for everyone, because we'd rather buy one nice gift for, for someone than go into debt. So, what? Great. Uh, the banks hurt us. Uh, 
But this year, we decided to play something different. We, we decided to play bingo. Um, be, and that might sound outlandish to you, but it was a really sweet thing that we got to do because it was my, bingo was my grandmother's favorite thing, my, my Lola. Um, Lola just means grandmother in Tagalog. Uh, and so we got to play bingo as a way of honoring and remembering my grandma who she passed uh, like when I was eight. So it's been a while, but we, we, we just really miss it. We used to play bingo all the time. Our whole family would gather. We would all like bring our gifts. We would uh, like a little, it, it was always like a brown paper bag with like random gifts in there. There was like underwear sometimes. I don't know. It was, it was great. Um, but we would play bingo and we would get our cards and our tokens and, and it was just a blast. And so this year we used all the presents that we would normally use as our white elephant gifts as our bingo prizes. And this is my wife, Rihanna. This is her first year playing bingo with us. And I was a little worried at first um, that she wouldn't be able to hang because my family, like I said, it's like 20 to 50 people show up and they're all insane. Like every single person is really crazy. Um, do you guys want to see how she did? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Before they turned down the volume, that was how loud it was for me. She was like sitting right next to my ear, like, it was great. Um, clearly, I had nothing to worry about. Uh, she was like the first person to win bingo, too. It was great. I could not be prouder. Just so happy. Um, I've actually got something in my eye. I'm sorry. Uh, I think she won us like an immersion blender or something that we were... We're going to re-gift it later. I don't know. <laughs> if you get an immersion blender from us, you can thank my aunt. Um, uh, I think there's another video. Do you guys want to see my favorite moment from the night, though? Like, that was really good. Do you guys want to see my favorite moment from the night? So before we play it, that's my uncle right there. He's opening a gift. Um, can you guys press play for me? Because I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> so if you couldn't hear him, he said, I got the potatoes. Like, not, I got potatoes. I got the potatoes. Like, apparently it's just expect that we have potatoes at our parties. I don't know. Um, I, I wish you guys could have seen it beforehand. He was so excited to open this gift. Like, he was so stoked. And then he unwrapped it, and it was potatoes. But not just potatoes. It was old, rotten potatoes that were growing more potatoes. <laughs> My, my cousin had those on her counter waiting to give those to my uncle. Um, she knew it was for my uncle, too. Like, I don't, you must be a prophet. Uh, so, it, again, it might seem weird, but this was another way that we got to honor my Lola. Um, she always had a bag of potatoes and a bag of dog food mixed in with all of the, like, bingo prizes. Granted, the rest of them weren't that great. It was, like, underwear, socks, like, a T-shirt. Who knows? Um, if that's your idea of a great gift, I'm sorry. Like, no, no, no bagging on you. Um, and so as sentimental as the potatoes might have been, my uncle could really take them home and use, well, he can actually plant the potatoes. They were useful. So as sentimental and as useful as the potatoes were, um, 
they probably weren't my uncle's first choice, or second, or third, or fourth choice of gifts to take home that night. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. They, were, they just weren't my uncle's first, or second, or third choice. Um, but this morning, I want to know, have you ever been underwhelmed by a gift? Underwhelmed or unimpressed by a gift, like my uncle was with the potatoes. Maybe, uh, maybe you mentioned in passing to a relative that you, like, if they're, if, if they're going to get you a gift this year, like, there's no pressure to, but if they're going to get you a gift, like, you would really love that. Like, you would love those boots or that purse or that Xbox. And then when Christmas came, like, there's no boots, Xbox, or purse there, and you're like, what the heck? I told you what I wanted. Or... Maybe this has happened to you where you see a, like, a big box with your, that's all wrapped up. It's got your name on it. And you're thinking, like, that's my Xbox. Like, that is my purse. That's, that's the boots. That's the guitar. Like, that's the one gift that I actually want. And then you get to the box. You open it up. And it's, it's not the Xbox. It's not the purse. It's not the really cool thing that that's the only thing you wanted. I don't know if that's happened to you. It's happened to me. Um, But I I feel like this type of thing happens to us all the time. Our expectations of things just get in the way of us actually enjoying and appreciating the gifts that we are given. And about 2,000 years ago, this exact thing happened when the illegitimate child of a teenage girl, peasant girl, was born in a manger with only shepherds in attendance. This whole Christmas season, we have been retelling the story of Jesus' birth. And we retell this story every year because 400 years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Isaiah predicted something incredible. He says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, The young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel, which just means God with us. Isaiah goes on to tell us a little bit more about this Emmanuel. He says that he would know good from evil, that he would would, uh, one day cause the king of Assyria to be disgraced, which if you know anything about the Assyrians, they were just the people in charge. They They conquered Israel. They were like really bad people. Isaiah said, Emmanuel, God with us, would replenish the land and provide so that everyone living in the land would eat eat curds and honey, which that might sound really weird, but it's like they would eat sushi and filet mignon and like baby back ribs, well, maybe not ribs, kosher laws, all that stuff, Um, but they would like eat really well sushi. Oh, I'm hungry now. Um, But then he writes... A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow, from, grow out of its roots. In case you don't remember who Jesse is, he was mentioned like three times in the Bible, shame on you. Jesse was King David's uh, dad. And so this is just saying that there's going to be this, this guy called, called a Messiah, which just means anointed one, and he will be the descendant of Jesse and King David says, 
It says, of this Messiah, of this descendant of Jesse, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the, the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. If you think that this, this sounds like, like poetry, you'd be right. Like, you're super smart. Good job, Living Spring. Um, it is. It's, it's Isaiah writing some prophetic prose. He's saying that the Messiah will provide peace for, for all creatures, not just humans, not just Jews. The whole earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. The whole earth will know and know about God. That, and this is just a Messiah. Like, this is one of the first times that we're getting this. And he said, get this. He says, on that day, on the day that the Messiah rules, on that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Ethiopia, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. Here we see Isaiah's purpose. Isaiah was a prophet during a time called the Babylonian captivity. He was preaching to people who were in a foreign land and enslaved, telling them, there's going to be a day when the Messiah comes and frees you. And he's not just going to free you, he's going to take you home. And he's not just going to take you home, he's going to gather all of his people from all over the world and take them home too. You know the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? I had this revelation last Sunday. Um, I, I'm a pastor. Like, I do this professionally, and I just realized what a worship song is about. It's a really sad song. It's a mournful song. The, this song is borrowing from Isaiah. It begs Emmanuel to come and ransom captive Israel, to save Israel to deliver Israel from all of its conquerors. Get this. Like, think about it this way. The U.S. declared its independence on July 4th, 1776. That means this country has existed for almost 243 years. Assyria conquered and ruled over Israel for more than 120 years. The, Babylonian, the Babylonians then came in. They conquered Israel like slaughtered half the population and then enslaved half of everyone that was remaining. And then they ruled over Israel for 70 years. Then the Persians came, took over, and they ruled for another 200 years. Then came Alexander the Great and then the Roman Empire. And, and if you get lost in the numbers, don't worry about it. Like, I'm making them up anyway. I, I'm just kidding. I'm really not. Like, I did research. But my point is that the people who lived in Israel had barely known a time of freedom, of self-governance, for 800 years. They had been under foreign occupation for three times as long as the, U as the United States has existed. 
by the time Jesus was born, they were, Israel was under Roman rule. And if you know anything about Romans and how they treated the Jews, they were awful. Like, they were so bad. I was going to, like, give you a comparison, but I just can't even think of a comparison. Like, it was that bad, okay? They, and so the Jews, the, the Israelites, they were tired of oppression. They were tired of being ruled over by conquerors, by people. Like, I was looking at a graph uh, that just tracked the population during the timelines, and every time one of these conquerors came in, the population of of Jewish people got cut in half. It went from five million to two and a half million to less than a million to 0.3 million Jews left in the world. So at the same time that, that Israel was being ruled over by conquerors, the prophets, these people that were speaking on behalf of God, that God had a special relationship with, they had been promising that a Messiah, an anointed one, would come and deliver them. But there's a catch. It's not actually a catch. It's just a problem that they had to, that they had to kind of work around. There were a ton of people that could, could have been considered Messiahs. Literally every king and high priest could have been considered a Messiah because they were anointed with oil. That's all it took is to be anointed with oil. If you've ever been anointed with oil, you could be considered a Messiah. Just saying. But get this. The prophets, they weren't speaking about a Messiah, just a Messiah. They were speaking about the Messiah. They had been making prophecies about this Messiah who would come from the, the, the line of David. They would be a descendant of David who is like a big deal. And then they, uh, they were stating that their Messiah would be a conqueror, that he would deliver them from other conquerors, from, the, from foreign rule. He would establish a kingdom. These were holy promises. They were prophecies. They were promises from God. And, and one of the things that people kept hearing is that, they, that this Messiah would topple the, the Romans or whoever was in charge at the time. And then that he would draw God's people back to himself. And so remember when that when Jesus came on came on the scene, he's an illegitimate child of a teenage peasant girl. Like this girl couldn't afford the proper sacrifices to just dedicate her firstborn child. She had to use like a pigeon when you would use like You'd use bigger animals if you were wealthier. And, and, and get this, this is, this is supposed to be the Messiah, a prince. I guess everyone's a baby at some point. Like, even the Messiah had to be a baby at some point, I guess. But doesn't it seem like the descendant of King David should be, like, born in a place other than a manger? Like, a palace? Or to people more important than a couple peasants, like the king, um, or with better attendance than just animals, like servants. That's how I would have come. Or maybe like with angels, and I wouldn't even be wearing a diaper. Like I'd be, 
I would come as like a full-grown person, like buffer than I am now. Like I would come in glory. I would come in power. But that's the problem. My expectations would have changed or have changed and dictated the ways that I experienced Jesus. And I guarantee you that the people living in Israel at the time, that they did a similar thing. The Messiah was a prince. And in the minds of Jewish people at that time, he should have come like a prince, like the heir to a kingdom. If you look back at the book of Matthew, he writes that there are magi, that there's these wise people that come, and they, instead of going to the manger, they actually go to King Herod because that's where normal people would expect a prince to be, that he would be born in a palace to the rightful king of Israel. But instead, he's born in a manger. They expected that when the Messiah was announced, all of Israel would rise up in rebellion, and they would overthrow the Roman rulers, that the Messiah would then rule for a thousand years. But instead of Prince Jesus... Instead of conqueror Jesus, instead of rebel Jesus, on that first Christmas, Israel got baby Jesus. And do you remember that prophetic poetry that we read earlier? That's the gift that Israel received that day. It says that the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the lion and the fatling together. I'm just curious, have you ever seen a wolf and a lamb just hanging out? Can you even imagine a leopard not chowing down on a baby goat? How about a lion? Like, this is not Disney's The Lion King. There's not going to be a young cow bending the knee to a lion while it just sits up there and, like, is held up by a baboon. And then that lion is also not going to let something that we call a fatling, to just hang out nearby without getting a taste. Like, that lion is going to eat it. Like, get this. This is, this is where the promise gets good. This is the gift that the Messiah, that baby Jesus brings. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For many, baby Jesus would have seemed like an underwhelming gift, an underwhelming Messiah. He wasn't born to a king in a palace. He wasn't born to a famous warrior, or as far as we know, he was never taught how to fight. How is a conqueror supposed to conquer anything? He was still an illegitimate baby, born in an occupied land of powerless people who desired, who craved a deliverer. For many, what Jesus had to offer wasn't all that appealing because of their own hopes, their own desires, and their own expectations. They wanted the Messiah to come in glory and power. But Jesus came in humility 
and with authority. So as Jesus grew up for the next 30 years, more and more expectations were put on him. 30 more years of Roman occupation meant 30 more years of angry Jewish, and re- and Jewish people and rebels looking for their Messiah, the conquering Messiah. Instead, Jesus taught mercy and forgiveness. They expected the, the Messiah to lead armies. Instead, Jesus had 12 disciples, 12. They expected the Messiah to have servants. Instead, Jesus washed the feet of his followers. They expected the Messiah to cast down and judge the Roman rulers. Instead, Jesus offers his life so that when we face judgment, we might be seen as righteous and holy because he was. The expectations people put on Jesus while he was alive affected their experience of him. They were underwhelmed by him. They were underwhelmed and their experience expectations of what the Messiah should look and act like made it so that they couldn't accept the Messiah that actually showed up. Let me say that again. Their expectations of what the Messiah should look and act like made it so that they couldn't even accept the Messiah that actually did show up. And the thing that gets me, guys, is that we are still underwhelmed by Jesus all the time. We allow our expectations and preconceived notions of what, of who Jesus is, how he should look and act and talk. We allow those expectations to hijack what he actually says about himself. And we do that to the point that when Jesus does show up in our lives, I think for a lot of us it actually feels underwhelming. That our experience of him feels underwhelming. But I want you to think about something that you have been underwhelmed by recently. Maybe it's a spouse or uh, your kids, your job. Maybe it's the gifts you received at Christmas. Maybe you're like actually jealous of my uncle because at least he got two potatoes. (laughs) Maybe you've been underwhelmed with yourself recently where you're at in your, your own life right now because you thought you'd be somewhere different. You thought you'd be more successful. You'd have a spouse or you'd have kids by now. You'd have grandkids. You wouldn't have experienced the loss that you have. I don't know what's been underwhelming to you, but as I invite the worship team to come back up, um, I'd encourage you to consider the people, person or the people or the things that have underwhelmed you. And I want you to ask yourself if you have unmet, unexpressed, or unfair expectations. I think the coolest thing about my family's Christmas party is that my uncle got two old rotten potatoes that were growing more potatoes. I think it's the most hilarious thing. Like, I've watched that video at least 50 times. But even more than that, like, I think it's the coolest thing because it brought so much more joy to my family than any of the other gifts that any of us got that entire night. It reminded us of of my Lola, which was the entire reason why we were playing bingo in the first place. Sure, 
my uncle, he didn't expect to, to get potatoes as his gift. Um, he may have even been a little underwhelmed by, by them at first. But his gift was, I think, the best gift of the night. It completed our night. Without those potatoes, we would have been playing bingo, and it would have been a nice game of bingo. It would have been great. But it wouldn't have been my Lola's bingo. It would have just been bingo. And so similarly, Jesus' birth may have been underwhelming at first. He didn't raise armies, conquer Rome. But the thing is, he's completing the promise that, that, he, that Isaiah made. He's drawing all people back to, back to God. He's claimed victory over sin and death. And this is the good news that Jesus was born for, that he lived for, that he died for, and rose again from the dead for. If you're being honest with yourself, maybe the person that, you're under, that you've been underwhelmed with is actually Jesus. But I guarantee you, when Jesus takes his place as the Messiah of your life, it is so overwhelming that you might be able to choose to re-gift. We've, we, over the last four weeks, we've, uh, we've had, we lit candles every week. And those aren't the gift that I'm talking about. Like, the candles represent, represent something really good. Hope, joy, peace, and love. Those are, the, those are the gifts that Jesus brings with his birth. So as you guys, uh, as we kind of close out in our final prayer, Consider, what are your expectations? Who do you expect Jesus to be? As we sing, our, uh, sing this last song, uh, you might take this time to fill out your connection card, uh, or if you, uh, if you worship through giving, um, you can fill out your, uh, your uh, gift or offering and put it in the back at, after service. We have a little box. Um, please, let me pray for us as we, as we close out our service for today. Father God, we love you so much. I pray that as we, as we confess the times that we have been underwhelmed, the times that we have placed our own expectations above your promises, God, I pray that, that our confession is healing, that it allows you to take your spot as the Messiah, the Messiah, not just one of many. God, I pray that you overwhelm us. That you flow over, over the, the containers that we can, um, we can place you in. That you break down any boxes or barriers. That you break down any ways that we might try to hinder your work in our lives and in this world. God, overwhelm us.